Hello and welcome back to Blighty Day Fiance Sister Blights, the only recap podcast hosted by a monogamous uh, heterosexual couple who happen to be international as well um, and based in London. If you meet all that criteria, then we'll have to revise our stance, obviously. Today, I am accompanied not by my husband, who usually uh, talks over me through the entire intro, uh, understandably, because it takes me a long time. Today, my guest is Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hello, ma'am. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am great. I'm super excited to be doing this with you. I I'm embarrassed, but also deeply enjoy how much I know about these people and how much I love talking about them. <laughs> yes, you are the go-to expert um, for questions, and I I am so glad that we have you because I've really only been watching this show as a full-time viewer for the past two seasons. I think I, okay. I avoided it, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. There's a very specific reason why I avoided it. And it's because, it's because, I don't know if when you were growing up, there were like moms in the neighborhood who always spoke very quietly and yes. um, incredibly passive aggressively and, <laughs> uh, you yes. know, would, so yeah, I grew up around a lot of moms like that when I was a kid. And when I, I remember when I first saw Christine on screen, she had that. And I, I think she still kind of has that voice, even though that's not what she does anymore, but it's, yeah, yeah it's that very, Ooh, everybody needs to be quiet. And then you're like, so humiliated when you speak like at an audible volume. I just, I hate that <laughs> burning sense of shame. So that was my, that was what put me off it originally. Yeah. And she, I mean, her voice has changed over the years because she used to be so sing-songy and so like quiet, like you said. And I mean, all of the women in their own way did the form, uh, fundamentalist Mormon keep sweet thing a mm. bit. Um, but in retrospect, when we realize how miserable she was for so long, I can totally oh. see why she was so sweet. And when she was loud, she was being cute and funny and like dancey and singy. But I think she was just trying so hard to get someone to pay attention to her. I, yeah. And, I mean, <sighs> and clearly her husband wasn't doing it. I just, the, it's a world of pain that I honestly can't imagine. And I, I don't really think, and this might be a, a controversial stance. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with plural marriage or, uh, or polyamory or whatever the context it's in is, you know, is the preferred nomenclature. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not for me. Uh, it would be way too much work. And I already feel like being in a marriage with one person is a ton of work. So I don't have an issue with that, with that choice or that lifestyle at all. I just can't, um, when it's part of a larger system, 
that uh, is that sort of by design keeps women in one place in order to elevate men at their right. expense. I think, you know, maybe that's not very controversial of me to say. No, I don't think so. And I think you, I mean, I've listened to you enough to know that I think you and I are very similarly aligned in a lot of ways. And I think one of them is like this, you know, sex positive belief of if you are happy and if everyone is there of their own volition, do whatever makes you happy. I don't care. The problem is when you look at systems like this, like Christine, Robin, and Mary all grew up in this. Janelle chose it, but that's another thing. But like these women didn't, in a lot of ways, didn't have a choice. They didn't know anything else. No. And and one of the saving graces of the show is that it got them out in the world a lot more to go, oh, huh. It it reminded me when I, because I have watched, uh, Robin, my husband, and I watched the first ever episode. And the first thing that I thought of was, and this is kind of not entirely related, but I remembered when um, Sarah Palin was running for vice president <laughs> and she was sort of, you know, coming on the scene. And I remember reading about how her management team, her PR team, essentially, (laughs) like, looked at her family and went, "Uh, yeah, we've got to go to Neiman Marcus, like, right now. You guys cannot. (laughs) we got to class you folks up a little bit as you come tumbling out of the Alaskan tundra somewhere. Yes, exactly. And I, (laughs) I, that was the first thing I thought of was, what? a what a radical um you know transformation that's been made i mean oh i i know they've all gotten in with the LuLaRoe and they've they've modernized to an extent i i don't think there's any excuse for the way that robine wears her hair in those super tight oh. like <laughs> shirley temple curls <laughs> Girlfriend needs a brush and she needs like a Pinterest account to stop capturing stuff about how beautiful her husband is and like learn how to do her hair. But <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like it's, it's nuts. Cause I've started rewatching a little bit as well. And to see, I mean, those women never met a tank top, long sleeve t-shirt they did not like. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and and I, I was flipping. Yeah. Go ahead. No, sorry. I like, I wore tank top, long sleeve shirts in the seventh grade because mm-hmm. we weren't, we weren't allowed to wear normal tank tops because it might distract our male classmates. Right. Um, Cause heaven forbid they see skin. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, I was flipping through Instagram last night and I saw Christine, like, you know, it, the other thing, this family has never met an um, MLM that they don't love either. So she's of oh, course sure. talking her latest but I mean, she's sitting there in her like leather pants and her black tank top and her blazer. And I'm like, who is this woman compared to who we met 12 years ago? And I like this right. woman. I mean, Christine was actually always my favorite, but um, I like this woman a lot. I think she'd be real fun to have a glass or two of wine with. Oh, I think so too. But speaking of which, so you said Christine's your favorite. Talk, talk to me about your. Um, 
sister wives journey? How did you get into sure. it and, and what, what kept you watching? <laughs> Cause a lot what of kept people me watching. have said to us, Oh, you know, we dropped, we used to watch it, but we dropped out for a couple of years. Like, did you have a drop off period? Did you, or were you always super into it? I was always super into it. I think I'd, I'd have a little more self-respect if I said when it got real dull, I left, but no, I didn't. I, I stayed. Um, so for me, just a little thing about me is I am utterly fascinated by Mormonism in general. Always have, not always have been, but like, as I learned about Mormonism in college and all that, I was like, this is, this is a fascinating way to be. Um, no shade if that's what you want to do, but not my cup of tea. But it, I was just like, there was an entire re- religion based on some guy finding gold plates in the hills of Rochester, New York. Uh, okay, sure. Whatever. Right. So between Mormonism and polygamy, like, you got me. I'm in. So I've been watching these these folks since since day one. And I, I mean, at first, I kind of bought into the fact that they were this happy family and they were really making it work. In the first season in particular, they really sold it. Um, and it's funny to see like Cody then versus Cody now, like that man has aged 50 years and had a, I'll say a personality change. Cause I think that probably darkness was already always in there, but he could hide mm-hmm. it better. Um, so I watched it all along. I watched the real boring years when they, you know, threw stupid parties on the cul-de-sac, Um, I watched when, when each of the the kids had to go to college and then they got married and, you know, we had 4,000 street tacos for Tony and I think Cody's in love with Maddie's husband, Caleb, because they have a weird relationship happening. Um, but yeah, I watched the whole thing, but I've said to a lot of people, cause they're like, like you just said, Oh, I watched in the beginning and then I left cause they were boring. And I'm like, you gotta come back because 16 and 17, I say is, is my payment for, for doing the hard work, for doing the work of the Lord of watching these people, because now it's utterly riveting. I mean, I think, I think it was your husband who said like that first episode of this season was, it it was like nothing I had ever seen in reality television and just watching Christine walk through this path of, first of all, whoever her therapist is could be making millions of dollars right now because- Oh my they, gosh. That whoever they are should out themselves and, you know, go on the book tour. But B, she is so, she is so adept at dealing with a narcissist and just walking through it. And you can tell she's not taking it personally anymore. She's just done. And she's just doing the steps she's got to do to get herself out of there and get her kids out in the best way that she can. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think like Th- that first episode of um, the season that's just been and gone, it-, it took me back to being in film school and we would, uh, for like our directing module, and I remember choosing the scene from Breaking Bad and okay. I thought, oh my God, this is, the, you know, this is this incredible like denouement between the the main character and his wife. And I remember oh, I watching I exactly it the scene you mean. Like, Yep. 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 I bet you do. Yep. And, and then when he's finally like, I did it cause I loved it. Yep. Yep. That's yep. exactly right. So yep. I, it, and you know, back then that, that show was like brand new. So it was really, I, I felt really proud of myself for that. And now I'm like, 
gosh, if I was going back and <laughs> and teaching that class, I would be bringing in um, Cody and Christine. You know, mm-hmm. like I would be bringing in uh, all this. What did he say? All the love that I had wasted. Yes. Yeah. Love and years wasted. Yeah. Making sacrifices I mean, to love you. The, you oh, the sacrifices to love, I made. The sacrifices I made to love you. Who, who the hell sacrifices to love somebody? Like, that's not a thing. First of all, he makes up things all the time that are just actually not <laughs> I things. Know, I know. But, but yeah, I, I can go off on him for a long time. Like, when he was, when he did his whole, I was dying of COVID thing oh with his 99.6 degree fever. Like, buddy... When I had COVID, I had a fever of 104.5 and I sat my ass on the couch, watched Netflix and waited for it to pat and took Tylenol. Like, this is what you do. This is fine. It sucked, but it was fine. That is not unique to Cody, I should say. No. Um, And I won't mention, I won't won't necessarily (laughs) mention other people um, who might act like that when they're sick, who are of the male persuasion, but. Uh, it's this something I'm very familiar with. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, Cody is his evolution has been so interesting to me because in that first episode, I'm like, he is like you think about like the dad from Phil from Modern Family or like a Michael Scott from the office character. Mm-hmm. You know, like I really liked him. And he and I grew up with Mormons. I'm I'm not one myself, but they were a big part of my community growing up. I went to high school with um, some of the Marriott family um, and there were various sort of, and they, they did all sort of live on certain cul-de-sacs. The the very wealthy ones, I should say. Um, Sure. Kind of all lived in the same neighborhood and it was a really, um, so a lot of those things ring true and the, the Rice Krispie treats and, um, they were, I just remember them being houses where you wanted to be there all the time, but at the same time, you knew you absolutely didn't belong there. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, like I know what you another mean. Another world. And I would be like, why are these adults? First of all, like everyone's parents were so young, which was oh, yeah. crazy to me. My, like my parents were, I guess my parents had me in their late thirties. So like okay. by the time I'm a teenager, they're like in their late fifties and then there's these so like very young people with 10 kids and it's, yeah. So that, that was something that I, that felt very familiar to me and felt very true to me. And that, you know, the, the head of the family or the priest holder is, is literally a, a salesman of sorts, mm-hmm. right? They're regardless of what, profession they're in, they're always going to be, you know, they're conditioned to be, um, the, the greatest testimonial for their religion and for their way of life. Yeah. I mean, the, the core, one of the core tenets is proselytizing. So yes, they always have to sell the very best version of what it is that they're doing and how they're living. And Cody did that really well. Um, and again, like you said, they were all so flipping young when they got married. And even at the, in the third tell all when, or tell all, not a tell all the one-on-ones or whatever it was, 
you know, Mary even said like, he was 22 and I was 19. Like (sighs) the older I get, the more I realize we should not allow 18 year olds to make any life changing decisions. Oh, I feel exactly the same way. I don't, I think it should be forbidden. I think you should have to wait until you're 25 to get married or to even think about marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm almost 50 years old and Jesus, 19 years old. Oh God. I thought I I knew everything, but I didn't know anything. I I got married at 26 the first time and it, and like Mm -hmm. that is unfathomably young to me now. And I, I yeah, I was 27. So I feel the same. That's yeah. So you get it. But that's something that's so interesting to me is, do you think that like, do you think that the adult children see marriage as a necessary step to kind of adulthood and to defining themselves as adults now and no longer part of, or no longer like to be treated as dependents? Like, do you, do you think that's something mm. that, because for me getting married when I was young, I was like, oh, this means I'm a grown up now. And I hadn't right. really had any time at all. I mean, part of why I got married was because I was, I like wanted to be, it was a misguided attempt to, you know, define myself as a grown up. And I just wonder with these kids, because they get married, you know, almost immediately after they leave home. And then it's like, and then they have kids not long after. And I'm like, what are you going to do with your life? Like, McKelty, mm-hmm. you are, and and we need to talk about Tony because there is so much I don't understand about that. Oh, oh we, we could, we could probably write whole <laughs> doctoral theses on, uh, on Tony, but it, it's interesting because like, so Logan just got married and he's the oldest. I think he's like 27 or 28 now. I um, love Logan, the forever parentified child. I love him. He is the forever parentified child. But I, I think it's fascinating that like he and Aspen were like the mommy and daddy of this family. Aspen got married younger, but notice neither of them have had kids yet. And I think oh, that's Aspen telling. Aspen hasn't had kids? No, only wow. Maddie's had kids and McKelty. That's it. And I think wow. I think that's telling because I think for the two of them, they're like, shit, I raised 18 children. Well, not not uh, the fair Mrs. Brown number four didn't really Ugh. raise their kids because, you know, in the old, uh, what is it from Mean Girls? Like, you don't even go here. These kids like <laughs> right. ingratiated themselves on day one. Well, Robin did that to them by making them call cody daddy on day one which is just so intensely horrifying to me um i yeah i've never been i've never been a fan of that uh that method of parenting or step parenting i think it's really disrespectful and look i i get that her first marriage was not a pleasant one um but i it i thought it was so funny how you could see behind Cody's eyes what was playing out when Christine said that she was leaving. And, and it Mm -hmm. was, you, you could almost see him about to say like, Oh my God, I hope you don't do to me what I did to, to Rob, right. To Robin's (laughs) ex-husband. Oh yeah. And I mean, the way he talks about it is like, I know how ex-wives are about ex-husbands. Well, okay. We, 
they don't shy about what they didn't for a long time shy about talking about Robin's ex-husband. Janelle has an ex-husband too, who happens to be Mary's brother, which yes, I remember that we never mention. Um, we seem to just have jumped and glossed over that one. Um, and I'm going to guess Janelle didn't slam him. At least I hope she didn't to his sister, but maybe that's some of the animosity of Mary. But I, I think Mary's just a, a bitter, angry person who just takes her angst out on everybody. And I think nothing in her life turned out the way she thought it would. So she's, Ugh. she's like a walk. She's like walking toxic positivity now. And Let, let's talk. She's miserable. Let's start, let's start with Mary, because I think that's, sure. I, I think that's a good place to start. Like I, I really, I, I, my perspective on Mary has completely changed. I, I said many times, you know, that, I believed that her deepest desire was to be the one um, to watch the light go out of Cody's eyes at the end of his life. Um, And now I think I have given her too much credit. Because I don't, I don't think she's like, I no longer, I thought she was a little bit like Uma Thurman in Kill Bill, where, you know, like she, she was just living for that revenge fantasy and, and anything else that came with it was, you know, she could just lump it. She could lump all the humiliation, just knowing that it's going to be her and whatever leathery desiccated flesh remains of his face, uh, you know, getting ready to pull the plug. Uh, I don't think that anymore. I, what I saw in their interactions made me incredibly sad for her. I agree. Um, I mean, I don't, I think she's, I think she's a spoiled brat and I think she's probably been pretty terrible to live with um, to the other wives. Well, to Christine and Janelle, I think she's not been terrible to Robin, but I think she and Robin, you know, go back and forth on, you know, who can be the queen of manipulation this week. Um, But what I think is she, she wanted the plural marriage. She wanted a ton of kids. She wanted to be adored by her husband and she got none of it. And I think she has just been trying so hard to earn his love back. And as he said repeatedly, he ain't coming. And, you know, I I do find the irony um, or the hypocrisy, I should say, of, you know, being appalled that she had this quote unquote catfish affair, which we could talk about for a long time, too. But and and yet the fact that he's so offended and he has four wives like buddy this is where this is where i have issues with polygamy versus things like polyamory is because in a true polyamorous relationship everyone has the autonomy to do what they want in polygamy it's also one-sided right and and not and these just women just don't have agency right exactly and and it's not just one-sided it's it in cody's case at least he wants the things that he wants are so or claims to want are are so um opposite to to what would make sense in in any relationship but particularly in these kinds of relationships like mm-hmm. you the 
the way that he talks about it, all relationships require trust, right? Even friendships requ- require trust. And even sibling relationships, you to have a relationship that's close, you know, you have to trust people. And I think he thought that rather than giving of himself to each of the, these marriages, um, in other words, being vulnerable, showing up, building trust, you know, having, um, having to like replicate that four times, but in unique ways that suit the other person. Right. I think he just thought I'll get this from this person, that from that person (laughs) and this other thing from her, you know? And I think that instead of looking at it as four marriages that need to be whole or that need to be two-sided, he looked at these four parts that need to, you know, the plugs each have to fit somehow into his, like, uh, surge protector. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's always been about what they could do for him. It's never really been about what they need. Like, it's always been how they can serve him. It's never about how he can serve them. And serve is a weird word to use, but you know, in a, in a healthy, happy relationship, there's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of sharing of responsibilities, needs, wants, desires. And he just doesn't do any of that except I think with Robin. And I think the reality is, is he met her and went, Oh, this is what being in love is. Right. Oh, this is what being lit up by somebody is. And I would have infinitely more respect for him if he just owned that, not even got rid of his other marriages, but if he said, I didn't know, like, I sort of feel that way right now. I've been married before. I've been in love before. I'm about to get married in a couple of weeks. I didn't know that this is what this should feel like until I felt it. I had the same experience. Like I had had, um, I had had the sort of, you know, twin flame, experience before i i'd Mm -hmm. had like very passionate relationships and relationships that worked very well on a practical level that had no passion but we were best friends and then uh, yeah when i when i met my husband it was there there's never been any man that i've been with who not a single one who said you know i love who you are now not the potential of what you could be, not who you were yep. six months ago. I I love you as you are, and, and there's nothing that you have to prove to me or become in order for me to love you more. And that was, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that sounds... It's life-changing. You know, no, it, yeah, it's it sounds really, hokey, but it's life-changing. And even finding that, not just in a husband, but like in in a friendship, in you know, uh, I don't know, like a mentor type relationship, I, I think is, is really incredible. And mm-hmm. when you find it, yeah, you can appreciate it so much. And, and, but even having those relationships, like I remember, I can't remember when it was, but somebody said to me, oh yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if the listeners know this. I don't talk about it very much, but I used to be like a telephone psychic 
pretty much. Oh, so God. people would call me. I want to know your whole CV, my friend, because <laughs> I think you have led a very interesting professional life, but that's another conversation. I, well, I've led a life and absolutely no one will hire me because they're either horrified <laughs> by what I've done or they're like, you have a law degree. Why are you applying for like this, you know, um, this like receptionist job at a gym and I'm like right. well because law firms don't want to work with anyway long story and and then add yeah. being autistic to that and but anyway yeah I used to spend um quite a lot of time talking to people about relationships and okay. uh one criticism that I got all the time was you know there would always be someone who was like well are you in a relationship and I would be like well yeah we're not here to talk about me but yes um and they would always be like, well, you have it figured out, so you don't understand. And I was like, I, that is so untrue that it's so – for people to think that you can be in a relationship that's happy and that you ever stop learning from other relationships and even from watching other people, like Robin will attest to this. We – we watched Married at First Sight Australia on our honeymoon. We're not ashamed of it. That's that's what we <laughs> wanted to do. So we did it. And so many, I think some of the most important conversations that we've ever had in our relationship is from, you know, a question that came up on that show. Honest to God. Yeah. And and so yeah. like it, I think one of the beautiful things about plural marriage is that you can Maybe maybe you're too close to be able to see it, but you can learn from each of these other relationships. And I think that's what Christine should be so proud. I know we said we were talking about Mary. Now we're off on a tangent, but that's what yeah. Mary hasn't done at all. And that's what Christine has done so beautifully and and worked with a therapist obviously but she's not Cody always accuses Christine of like oh you know you you can't compare you can't compare but like you can compare because what she's doing is she's saying oh Cody and Robin like you say light each other up they make each other happy there's fulfillment there or you know before yep. he and Janelle split up like there's there's a sense of companionship there and mutual respect and understanding. And I want that for me. And I don't get either of those things. I get none of those right. things. Right. So that tells me that, you know, the problem is either with both of us together or it's with me or it's with him. It's definitely with him. Um, definitely with but, him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like there's no question in anyone's mind, but yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, I think, yeah, Mary is just on the, Mary is one of the most fearful people I have ever seen oh, on gosh, television. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. So fearful. And she is, and she's, she's so afraid of, she's so afraid of being unhappy that I think she's made herself horribly unhappy. And she, you know, made her child the center of her universe, which a lot of people do and fine. And one thing that I think has always been interesting is it seems like Janelle and Christine really, I mean, well, they, they'll both say it. They raised their children together. And right. 
the, those kids really like Janelle's kids clearly see Christine as a mom and vice versa. Yeah. And they see Christine's kids as their true siblings. True. Right. But then, yeah. you know, with, with Mary's child, Leon, they always felt othered to me. They always felt on the outside. And I think that was some of Mary's doing because I, I don't think she, think she treated too. the other kids like her own in the way that Christine and Janelle were able to treat the other kids, the other mom's kids like their own. No. And I, and there is, there is a type of mothering that involves being withholding in certain ways with some children in order to build intimacy with others. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, it's so, it's hard because the, I mean, an immediate reaction to my saying that is probably like, oh, oh, that's horrible. But I, I don't think, I think the way that, I think the way that women are taught to parent um, has for a very, very, very long time been from the standpoint of you are coming from a position of all of your instincts are wrong right and everything that you could do could kill this baby so right because parenting all parenting books now are about fear and mm -hmm. how to avoid this and and certainly like as an autistic person newly diagnosed i'm i'm horrified by the amount of precautions that are taken to not end up with a child like me you know what i mean <laughs> like right it's kind of a that's that's really harrowing. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I I don't think Mary went into parenting these other children thinking I'm going to have to I'm going to have to fight for um to have control over them. I'm going to have to fight for their approval. Uh, but that's what she had to do. And and mm -hmm. rather than approaching that hate to use this word, right? Because or this phrase, but it comes up again and again on this show rather than cap in hand, you know, <laughs> coming to the yeah. table and saying, what can I add to this? She's coming to the parenting table as like, right, I don't like what you all are doing. So I'm going to silo these kids and I'm going to favor these kids. And, and the ones that don't comply, I'm going to remain suspicious of. So I think it's coming from a really, I think her protectiveness and defensiveness is coming from an extremely hurt and very honest place. But that, that hurt has over time, as you say, has become bitterness and mm. no one is attracted to that. No, no, no one. one. I wouldn't even want to be her friend. Like I wouldn't want to hang out with her because she just seems miserable, but I she seems miserable deep down, but she puts on this air of I'm the happiest person. I mean, her, I sadly follow her on Instagram and it's just like, Oh God, I need you to stop because we, we know that we know the truth of your life is not at all what you're putting out there. And I would much and rather I, see somebody go, you know what? This is shit versus, well, Oh my God, I everything's that, great. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and I think that's how, I mean, that is how Christine ingratiated herself. You know, Christine mm -hmm. has, has been honest and vulnerable 
and admitted yep. to feeling bad and admitted to making mistakes and have have made, you know, in her opinion or in other people's opinion, the wrong choices. Mary is just Mary is entirely inflexible. And oh, gosh, her yes. there is no room. And of course, this is what she has in common with Cody, right? There she has I, I said this in royalty. Um she is someone who, not about Mary, but you know about uh, Wallace Simpson, probably. But the, mm-hmm. she is has no interest or curiosity in nuance at all. This no. is not how she deals in life, and neither does Cody. And and Mormonism is a really good religion for people who don't like nuance. Um, no, it's everything's black and white. I, this family does not have a whole lot of intellectual curiosity in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, you know, emotional and nuanced curiosity definitely doesn't doesn't get to the top because they just, I don't think they think that way at all. Um, but yeah, I think Mary's a real, real sad sack. And I think what you said about Christine is really, really spot on. And if you go back and rewatch, like, from almost day one, she's been telling Cody, I need your help and support. So the fact that he's sitting there saying she just decided one day she was done, like, buddy, we've been watching you on TV for 12 years. Roll the tape. Yeah. Like, as as Maddie and Poodle say, Gary, roll the tape. Like, it's there all the time. For sure. And yeah, yeah. yet he seems to just, you know, live in his own little la-la land of whatever he wants to be true is true. And I, I don't think he does. I think it's, I think that, I think that affable kind of goofy sitcom dad, here's the thing. I think like, like many dads, he loves kids at a certain stage. He, he likes being able to, you know, them hanging off of him, cuddling him, everything that he says and does is fascinating to them. He really likes that. He does Mm -hmm. not know how to have a relationship with his mature children that isn't based on them worshiping him or asking his advice. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And and it's And they all say he was a good dad when they were kids because that's the fun part. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I I believe that's the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was. I think he was. was he a great dad? I don't know. Was he an involved, available dad? Much more than he is now, for sure, except for the little ones. But interestingly, not Christine's little one. Solomon and Truly are, I think, like 15 months apart. They're not far apart in age. And no. he could not treat them too, too differently if he tried. And then well, there's poor I Janelle think- Savannah that God only knows if any if he ever even acknowledges her. Oh, no, I don't. I don't think they're very close. I mean, this was, Mm -mm. this, it's so, I, I believe them that he was a good dad. And, and actually Mm -hmm. when he, one of the worst things that he said in the course of this entire season was, you know, implying that, that Christine raising the kids was the easy stuff. I believe right. to him in his mind, I think he actually believes that because he did mm-hmm. so little of the actual child rearing that in his mind, it's what he did, which was, you know, play with them. He wasn't, yep. he wasn't taking care of them when they were sick. He wasn't, 
while, you know, getting up at it eight months pregnant, going to some, you know, cleaning houses and then coming home to whatever, 12 kids. I mean, can you imagine? I think it's... No. It makes me so angry. Me too. (laughs) Me too. The fact that she, first of all, Christine's pregnant. She's doing all of the daytime childcare for all of these little ones. And at that point, most of them were little. And then the fact that she's sitting there watching her husband court somebody who's 12 years younger as you're, you know, and kissing her as you're basically, you know, in labor. Uh, The fact that she wasn't, you know, screaming and ripping her hair out on a more regular basis to me is nothing short of a miracle, but yeah, he did none of the heavy lifting. I mean, hell, I don't know if you ever saw this or if this has crossed your radar yet, but there was one weekend where the four women went to San Francisco and during that time truly got the flu and wound up in the hospital with kidney failure and almost died. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. So she got the flu. Basically Aspen and McKelty were taking care of her and they were, you know, 17 and 15 or something. I mean, they were, they were kids themselves and right. truly apparently didn't like drink anything for a couple of days. <gasps> and Christine comes home and she's like, this is, this doesn't look good. And then at one point Trulie's uh, like eyes went cross-eyed. And so she took her to the ER and she was on dialysis for a week. Like this kid almost died on his watch. God, how do you ever forgive that? Oh my God. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And they just kind of rolled through it like no big deal. And then that same period is when Leon was going off to college and Mary was losing her, you know, ever loving mind of the fact that she was going to be an empty nester. And what did that mean? And never mind that there were like 17 billion other children in that cul-de-sac with her who supposedly are hers as well, but okay, whatever. Um, and then, what you know, would... there was this just drama about taking her kid to college. And I'm like, one of your other children in theory, if, if you are really living what you preach, one of your other children is dying. And you're like all upset that it's interrupting her kids, you know, going away party. Right. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. When, when Leon in, in their previous, um, incarnation, I suppose, came, came Mm -hmm. out to Mary. What, what was that like? Because I, I don't think I watched, it was one of the episodes that I watched, but was she, what what is their parent child relationship like and and how did how did mary respond to that yeah so before leon came out so if people haven't watched this all along leon went by a different name was assigned sex of female at birth has now transitioned to um identify as a man prefers the they them pronouns um when they came out, well, before that, their relationship with their mom was so super enmeshed and they were both drama queens. And I hate to use that term because I feel like a lot of women, anytime they have any sort of emotion above a two are somehow labeled as drama queens, but like everything was a crisis for them and everything was about what they weren't getting and all of that. So there's a little bit of that and they could totally feed off each other. One would get upset then the other one and it would just, you know, explode. Then they went to college, um, a, a Mormon, I don't know if it's actually a Mormon school, but went back to Utah with the idea of, I want to be 
um, in our religion, which is not fundamentalist Mormonism as we think of it in the Warren Jeff's way. The church they actually um, belong to is the AUB, which is the Apostolic United Brethren, um, just another offshoot of Mormonism. And, but, you know, Leon said when they were younger that they wanted sister wives, they wanted that whole life, and right. then met Audrey. And I think was like, oh, ah, I see. <laughs> I, I see what's actually happening here. Fell in right. love with a, a woman. And then like, you know, I, I've, I've had a number of friends who go through the coming out process. And as soon as they have their like first real, you know, requited um, experience with the same sex person, they're like, oh, right. Yeah, I'm gay. <laughs> here we are. So. <laughs> You know, she, they came out to all of the moms and Cody at once. The most supportive one was Robin. She jumped up, gave the kid a hug, said, we love you. We support you. You're good. Mary was undone by it and seemed to be undone for a while. And I I have some sympathy or empathy, not sympathy. I have some empathy for that. And particularly having talked to, you know, my my queer friends and their parents expect, I mean, all parents have expectations of what their kid's going to turn into and what their life's going to be. And when there's a radical shift in that, that trajectory, you're allowed to go, Oh God, I need a moment to catch my breath and just take all this in. And thankfully Mary wasn't a real jerk, but definitely struggled with it longer than any of the other parents did. Um, And so I think that was difficult. And then the catfishing thing happened and um can't remember if the catfishing thing happened before or after Leon came out, but it, it was all around the same time. Um, you know, Leon took the catfishing thing terribly, could not handle that at all. Um, was real angry at their mom for it. And no one really knows what their relationship is today. Um, I know at the beginning of COVID, Audrey and Leon moved to the bed and breakfast and were helping take care of Mary's mom and the bed and breakfast. And I think that's where they were just quarantining. Um, I don't think the bed and breakfast was open for a while because I don't think they could be, but who the hell knows? Um, (laughs) I don't necessarily trust the Brown family to abide by all um, rules and regulations provided in and around COVID. Um, I need to say something about that bed and breakfast. So a lot of people... (laughs) A lot of people are getting angry about, um, you know, Mary has perhaps unwisely raised the already outrageous price. Oh, God, of, these damn the retreats. Retreat. So, oh, Jesus. If here's the thing if you have been in the unenviable position of being in an M- M- MLM, or mm-hmm. any kind of business coaching or management consulting, um, a a coach or manager or whoever is above you is is going to convince you that you can charge a ridiculous amount for something that you yourself would never pay for that much for, right? right? right. Like it, it's such it is so common all through the wellness industry, all through. Yeah you know, coaching leader leadership, there's always someone who will say to you like, well, you know, what's the, 
what's the value of your degree and the expertise that you provide? So I promise you, Mary hasn't gone, oh, let me check and see what's a competitive rate in my area. No. Or let me, let me estimate like the real value of what all this is. She's talked to some, you know, word art, like, uh, <laughs> word art emblazoned biz quote unquote business coach um, right. who did like a three boss hour woman. online class. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag girl boss who has right, said exactly. like, Mary, what do you think an hour of your time is worth? And Mary's been like, uh, I don't know, like a thousand dollars, you know? And it, and that's, that's when I do Mary's. That's how we price this. Of my mouth. Yeah. Like <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's how she's priced it. And she's been told that if she, if she lowers the price, then, you know, that's, that's ruining the energy of it or something, or like taking the law of attraction shine off it. Like it's, so Mary is a victim in this pricing situation. I promise you, because no one's. Oh yeah. No, I I think on the first one, it was mostly friends who came. Um, and so I'll be curious to see what happens for this next one. Um, I'm in some uh, Facebook group for a different podcast and somebody actually got approved They're like, cause you have to apply of course to go to make it that much of more course. Yeah. elite. Um, they got approved and then they didn't follow through a, cause they had no intention of it because of the ridiculous price. And I'm sure you have to sign all sorts of NDAs to show up at this. So, you know, it's not, it's not worth it, but yeah, she is, she is a sad, sad sack who just, she gets sucked into the latest scheme. Now she does seem to be doing well with the Buttersoft legging business, but who knows? I mean, I, the fact that Lulu Rose still exists is shocking to me, but yeah, that's it does. wild. But I guess it's, it, it is a, I mean, that cross section of the population is as alien to me as, um, like people, I don't, I can't think of an analogy that that isn't really insulting. I just mean, it's, (laughs) it's not, it's, it's a context that I, that I barely understand and not because I think I'm above it or I'm better than it. It's just, I will never understand. Like I would never be able to write a character like that because I just, I don't understand. I don't understand what motivates them. It's like people tell me all the time, Cause I get really, uh, and regular listeners will, you know, be rolling their eyes cause I say this so much, but I, it sickens me how on reunions and any of the 90 day spinoffs, there's this obsession with getting pregnant and having a mm-hmm. child as if that is the greatest achievement you can ever make. And look, I'm not, clowning on motherhood. I'm not no. diminishing it in any way, but there are, I I wish that, and the friends that I have are pretty good about, I, I'll say this, I make a big point of celebrating other milestones, particularly Agreed. my female friends' lives that are not wedding or baby related. Yep. Like I have Agreed. a friend who is my age who owns um, an apartment in New York in the Upper East Side. And she just bought a second one. 
That is Good incredible. And it's all off. Right. Yeah, she's amazing. And like I got her a, a cameo of someone, you know, another podcaster to congratulate her on it. I wanted her to feel celebrated in that moment. And so I think, I think MLMs in some way provide an aspect of that. And I think that's something that we are very hungry for as women because most of our interactions with kind of like mainstream pop culture is telling us what we should look like and Mm -hmm. act like and what our lives should be like. So to get congratulated for, you know, real things. I don't know. Am I I being, am I gone far now? No, no. And I, I, what I would say to that is that, you know, I, I have found, you know, I don't have children of my own. Um, my fiance has a, a son. So kind of like you, I'm getting the parenthood experience tangentially in it, whatever. I mean, kid lives mm-hmm. in my house, so there it is. Um, but, you know, I didn't have children of my own. I, I have a career, whatever. But like, I feel like for women, if you stop talking about being getting married, having babies, or being on a diet, like conversations die. Yes. Oh my God. Because there's, because no one talks about anything other than those things. Like a couple of years ago, I made the conscious choice to kind of leave diet culture, stop talking about Good it. Good for you. And it's hard because we live in that. I mean, we all live in that soup. It's really hard to stop doing, but you start to realize like, oh, this is what this is all I've talked about with this person for 20 years and they're my best friend, but this is all I've talked about. Like, <laughs> There's got to be something a little better than, you know, killing a workout. Like, I don't know. I know. It's, it's crazy. The deep authenticity that is so much more attractive to me than, you know. Yes, me stuff. too. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's why we found each other. I, and I, mm-hmm. that is the, I, I mean, I've, I've shared on this podcast and, and um, some of the listeners who, you know, don't follow Sister Wives or haven't l- listened in a while don't know that I I lost my father very recently. And so I've really been going through this, this period of deep and often very painful reflection. But part sure. of what comes out of all the mud that gets stirred up, you know, like in your heart and mind and experiences like this is like once everything settles you you see things very clearly you understand very clearly on some level what's important you don't it, in my case i don't understand how to get there or what that's going right. to mean but like i and i'll admit when i first started doing this when i first started podcasting i was like i need more attention in my life and i need more like i need an outlet i need to be performing because i really miss performing but the mm-hmm. biggest reward for me in all of this has been has been people coming to me with their own vulnerability mm-hmm. and their own sure. life stories and and their sincere ways of being and these discussions that do come about watching these silly shows that you know haters think it is just trash you know right but maybe maybe because they're tuning it out because they're not ready for it. They are. Yeah, they're now, real people, and they bring up real things. And 
you know, I feel like, yes, obviously I, I have so much empathy and sympathy for the process you're going through right now, having lost your father. Thank you. Um, and I feel like in some ways COVID did something very similar for all of us because it forced us to strip away everything and then decide what, what do we want back? Right. What makes and, sense? And what I, means something? Right. And I think that these, these shows, and I, I remember, you know, Gloria Steinem famously saying that the Real Housewives and every iteration thereof was was a minstrel show for mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And I thought I I can totally see how you would say that, but to me it isn't that. To me it is a mirror. And it's one of the most important mirrors that we have because there's nothing that and and I like some franchises more than others, but there's nothing that happens on Real Housewives that isn't a thing that's happening for women. It might be, yeah. you know, on a different scale because not all of us are right. earning like that or looking like that or acting like that or whatever, but it's it's so important. And I think and this this is the same. And going back to Mary, like when she now I am I did some investigation into the catfish thing. What I'm confused okay. about, I'm hoping you can clear this up for me. So so sure. from, from what I saw on some blog that looked like most of it was redacted, there were recordings of Mary, you know, like voice yes. notes. Um, yes. I'm ashamed to say that I did listen to them, which is not something I would <laughs> normally do because I think, you know, private things are private. Um, but I figured like, it's not the banana photo or or a banana video. So, you know, (laughs) whatever it's equally, it was not my business to do that. And I know it's wrong and I did it anyway. And I'm not proud, Okay, but to me, it sounded right. Exactly. (laughs) But here we are. it, It sounded so much like she actually, she might have been hooked initially by this, one photo, but surely after a time she understood that this person was who this person was. I don't know. I I really don't know what was going on with her. So, um, sadly I have, um, heard a reading or retelling of, uh, the book that Sam, um, Cooper wrote supposedly the, the, man with whom she was having an affair turns out to actually be this woman, Jackie Overton. Um, I don't know how much she believed this was truly a man. This person says that he met Mary says that they had sex as that all these things happened. Well, we know for a fact that this man is, doesn't exist. It's actually a woman. And Mary definitely met Jackie Overton. Um, so I don't know what she actually really thought or eventually yeah, there's photos knew, of her and Jackie together. Didn't yeah. Like Disneyland, Disneyland or something. Together? Yeah. Yeah. They met up in Disneyland. Um, and Sam was supposed to come. And then of course, couldn't at the last minute, you know, some, some <laughs> such nonsense, um, enough to make me go, um, I don't think this is really real, but I, I find it fascinating that she went so 
far down this rabbit hole with this person, but it says to me that she was just grasping at anybody to pay attention to her. And her kid had gone to college and she's in this marriage with this guy who's a buffoon. But I, I do think she loved him and probably, I don't know if she loves him now, but she's definitely was holding on way too long. Um, I think she's in, I think she, I think she, the fact that she still gets like Twitter pated and flushed around him mm-hmm. says everything, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could, but she does. So here we are. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what actually she thought was happening, but I mean, I, I've heard some of those recordings too, like you, I'm not proud, but it is what it is. My time machine right. is broken. I cannot <laughs> go back and be a better person. Um <laughs> And she was talking to this person. She was talking to this person in ways I don't think I'd talk to anybody. <laughs> like, No. And certainly uh, not over the, a recording. I think that she, God, she has, mis, she has misjudged the public completely because I think mm-hmm. she thinks that if she was honest about that, that she would be mocked and vilified because that's what she would do to a person in that situation. But right, I think she gets so much empathy if she was honest. She really would if she was real about that, and if she owned up, like, yeah, I I let myself become completely vulnerable to this person mm-hmm. who was lying to me, and then yeah, I fell in love with them anyway because I was so desperate for that affection, and I was so desperate for that validation. I would have believed a bullfrog, you know, if that bullfrog <laughs> yeah. came to me and said, you know, look, I, I'm not of your species, but there's something between us. I think she would have been like, yeah, I, sorry. I have to consider that. Right. I'm now going to go live my life with a bullfrog. No, I, I don't I'm, think you're wrong. And I think I, <sighs> I'm not comparing uh, Jackie over no. to a bullfrog, by the way. I'm using. No, but I, I see what you're saying. Like, she just would have, she would have yeah. grabbed anything that she could have. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like in all of our conversation, we haven't even talked about poor sweet Janelle, who's just. <laughs> I You read my mind. You read my the mind. The quiet one I, that everyone seems to forget, but I love her too. And I love who she's becoming. Janelle reminds me of. Um, did you ever watch the <laughs> – this is such a reach. But okay. not the, like, not the 1950s Alvin and the Chipmunks, but, like, the sort of mid to late 80s Alvin and the Chipmunks. It might have been – It crossed my path, but I was a little too old for it by then. Right. But go on. So I I was super into that, and uh, <laughs> much to my older sister's chagrin – and there's so there's Alvin Simon Theodore, right? The the chipmunks. Yep. Then the chipettes are, I think the the pretty one was Brittany, and uh, Jeanette was the one with glasses. And then I cannot the the one who you know was similar to Theodore in uh, in size and in um, interests shall we say okay. most of those interests revolving around food um mm-hmm. i've completely forgotten her name and i think a lot of people have forgotten her name for a reason and i've always thought of janelle as that chipette mm. interesting um, 
and that's where the analogy ends. It just that she's that forgotten, forgotten one. I think she's finally found a way to, I, I think something interesting happened when she sort of left mainstream work, because as I've said before, I think Janelle's marriage stayed functional and I'm using that term very much in the context of of the show, not the wider right. context of what it means to be in a functional marriage. I think it stayed right. functional because she was another husband. She wasn't another wife. Yep. She had a career that she was proud of, that she went to every day. She was bringing something home. She was a provider. And yep. she... And that identity for her, you know, I'm sure that to a camera, she would say like, the most important part of my identity is that I'm a mother, you know, like that's what they're all right. supposed to say. Right. But I, I don't think that's true of her. I think she, no. you know, loves being a mother and a grandmother, but I think that she's always been the smartest one and, um, let her have her fucking fifth will. Jesus yes, Christ, oh you know? Give her the money to build on that land or let her do, let her live. Yeah. She's, and she is, I mean, she has said on the show many times that like she's gotten fulfillment from her career in a lot of ways. She and Chris, if we're going to try to gender roll this in the most traditional, you know, fifties marriages ways possible, like she and Christine were a much better husband, wife pairing than either of them ever were with Cody. Totally. And, and I think, it, Actually, I think there's something really does. beautiful about that. I I agree completely. I was going to say we we need to. I'm hoping that as a society, um, that we can think not just outside the nuclear family, but think about like you know, siblings can raise children together. And yep. best friends can raise children together and neighborhoods can raise children together. You know, like it really doesn't, those things happen naturally anyway, by virtue of, you know, circumstance and mm-hmm. and their relationship is, I hope for them, you know, the best thing to come out of this because they, they have in each other people who will always I think be honest with them and who fucking yep. cares if they talked about each other behind their backs. So what? Of course they who did. Who hasn't complained about their spouse or their spouse's spouse? I think that's ridiculous. And I, you know, someday someone is going to find Rob Ines plush, fuzzy little journal with her pink mm-hmm. feather pen that she saw on Clueless and thought, I've just got to have one just like that at all times. Someone's going to find her little diary and she will have written her little burn book and it'll say horrible things that she knows not to say to Cody because she figured out that the best way to get what she needs from him is to be needy to a point that is unbelievable. Yes. Yes, he wants to be needed and worshipped, and she has learned how to need and worship him in every way, shape, and form. And she's a child. She's absolutely a child. And unfortunately, she's raising her children that way as well, particularly her daughters. Um, Thankfully, they leave Dayton out of stuff a lot, which is great. And he's, by all reports, he seems like a great kid, and he's going to college, and he's living his life, and 
whatever. You go do you, my friend. You seem to be doing really well. But her daughters are just as needy and just as um, full of anxiety. Like, she's created a very scary world for her children. I that that's extremely hard for me to to see. I mean, I Robin, my husband is always saying that there that Robine is going to have a redemption era. There's, you know, she knows deep down what's happening and and she's going to find the courage to break out of it. I, I don't know where he gets that sympathy for her, but you know, again, one of the things that I value about him is that we don't, we don't always agree on what we see in people. But when he said that, I started to worry that maybe Robine had some kind of, well, because her, I, I'm aware that her, eldest son is neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I thought, does, is she neurodivergent? Does she have autism or ADHD or, or some mental health condition that would actually prevent her from being able to confidently take care of these children and have a job of some sort? Like, is, is she, dealing with a level of anxiety that needs to be that she can't take medication for for some reason and so Cody has to compensate for that but I don't see them having the emotional intelligence to or the again the curiosity like you say to navigate something like that or even figure it out it just feels like they're just they have she has an extreme level of enmeshment and codependency with her daughters and they are therefore Agreed. terrified of everything. Agreed. And they pulled them into so many adult things that they shouldn't have had to worry about. I mean, every time this family moves, you know, she would tell her kids, Oh my gosh, I don't know if we have a place to live yet. And her kids would fall apart. I'm like 15 years old. This is a, an adult problem. They don't need to know, you know, like, <sighs> My it, partner it, and I have issues or problems or we face challenges. He don't tell his kid because he doesn't need to worry about it. That's not his to worry about. And she's done that to her children. Kid, but only because he won't, like, he will hover outside the door and not leave the room. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we, don't, we, we give him the bigger picture. We're not like, oh, yeah. you know, this, we're having. We're going to be homeless this. next week. Like. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, yeah. that would never happen. Hopefully. My only fear is poverty. My oh God, when he said that. Well, clearly your only fear isn't poverty because you were so afraid of COVID. But actually, I don't think he was ever afraid of COVID. I think this just became a cudgel he could use to beat people into line. I totally and, agree. And he may have been scared at the beginning. We all were. You know, I think back, I, I look at Facebook memories all the time and it's shocking every March to look at how we were all thinking in March know, of 2020, right? you know, and, uh, and the fact that it was like, Oh, just stay home for two weeks. Like, well, this has been the longest two weeks of anyone's life, but he may have been afraid then, but I don't think he really was for very long. I think this just became a way to decide who was good and who was bad. And the fact that he made his children bad is so, so disgusting to me particularly his sons. And honestly, I think he's threatened by those boys, Janelle's boys in of particular. Of course he is. 
They've, you know, Garrison is 20, 24, 23, 24 years old. He bought his own house. He was in the military. He's going to school. Gabe is going to school. He graduated early from high school so he could start college earlier. Like these kids are doing it and they're doing it great. And for him to say, well, they just have to get out of the house. Meanwhile, Janelle's like, he's six months from having his down payment to buy his house. There's no universe in which I'm kicking my kid out. He doesn't get it and he can't, he cannot be happy for them. Like Mm -mm. he is the kind of, he's the kind of man who wishes he was in like the super FLDS where they just like, you know, once the boys hit puberty, they just pile them in a truck and dump them on the side of the road somewhere to fend for themselves. He would lost boys, his his kids in a heartbeat. Yep. No question. No question. I like how I just made lost boys a verb, but yes, he would do that to his children. (laughs) It are he he would do it. Yeah. He doesn't care. And no, and despite the fact that he has done everything he can to make himself uh match the you know, the aspirations that, that he thinks are universal, you know, like, oh, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on TV. I'm important. Uh, it doesn't mean shit to any of his sons. It, it, no. And they have integrity. They have, I'm, I'm not, I, now look, I'm not a huge fan of paid in. Um, I think maybe he needs to, to learn some things. Um, he strikes me as someone who would be, you know, pretty casually anti-Semitic and, and not even oh, realize I don't that think that even thing that would hurt particularly people. casually. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of that adage of like, I would love to have the confidence of a mediocre white man. And he kind of is the embodiment of that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, but that at the same gonna... time, he's like 21 years old. He doesn't, yeah, again, he's... we're coming back to what we said an hour ago. Like, these kids don't, they're kids. Yeah. And they were raised they, on TV. They were raised on TV, but fortunately, oh, the other reason I avoided this show for such a long time was I didn't want to, I had watched um, John and Kate plus eight and okay. dance moms and and stuff like that, like shows about, shows that had kids in them. And I was like, if the, if the kids aren't tap dancing i'm really not interested or competing <laughs> in something right. i i don't care like that's and i was a nanny for a long time too so it it, it wasn't the kind of thing where like my idea of escapism is after taking care of four kids all day is to come home and watch someone else's four kids act like assholes <laughs> you know <laughs> like, right yep totally get it that was totally that was never it. my jam but um, I, just being aware of, you know, time. I mean, we could, I, I could go on to all of this forever, but where do you think we, where do you think each of these people are headed? What are, what are your predictions? Like where, where, where might we find ourselves at the beginning of the next season? And you can start okay. with whoever you want. Yeah. I, I don't know how much time we're going to jump. I hope we don't jump very much time. I know there's been a lot of rumors that they are recording again or filming again. So that's good. Um, I think we're going to see Christine just live in her best life in Utah. There's rumors that she's dating somebody, which is great. Um, I hope he adores her and treats her like the queen that she is. Um, I think as time goes on, Cody is going to have 
less and less of a relationship with his adult children. And that's somehow it's insinuating that he has much of a relationship. I don't think he does. Um, but I think it's going to get more and more distant over time. I think Jan- I think Janelle and Christine are going to stay best friends until their last dying day. Um, I think they really have a true bond and a really true love and respect of each other. Um, and I think it would be fun if like they wound up getting a duplex together and were neighbors. But I think that's a, a little too like sitcom and B I don't think that's what Janelle wants. She likes to garden. She likes, she wants to live out on coyote pass. Like she likes that. So great. Go do that. Plus she seems to really love um, being a grandma. So I think she goes to South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, wherever Maddie and Caleb live. She seems yeah. to spend a lot of time with them and the babies, which is great. Um, I think Mary is going to pretend to be happy for a very long time. Um, maybe until until she leaves this mortal coil, she will pretend to be happy. I don't think she'll ever do the work to figure out how to actually be happy. Because um, she'd really have to look Mary's, at her stuff. Not to get too personal, but do you think Mary's ever, like had an orgasm and I don't mean this in a shaming way. I mean, like, do you think yeah, no, Mary's I, ever experienced, you know, like pleasure in her body? I don't think so. I don't think any of these women have really, maybe, maybe that's part of Christine's therapy has been to figure out that part of her life. And I hope, I hope she has a life that in, in the physical part of her body rocks her socks off on the regular. Cause she deserves it. Me um, too. I mean, every, everybody deserves it, but girl, that woman really deserves it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I hope Christine finds somebody. My guess is Janelle will be single because I think she just likes her independence. I think maybe she she's does someone too. who would date. She would date someone who's like long distance, and they got together once in a while, and that probably would meet her need if she wants a yeah. companion. But she might not even want one. Which cool? Do you? Um, I think Robin, uh, Robin and Cody are going to be miserable <laughs> for a real long time. It, the thing that we never talk about on the show is the fact that a, they are living off of this show, That that's how they make right. their money. I mean, right. he's also a gun salesman, but, and she has her little, you know, fake jewelry shop. But if this show goes away, that million plus dollar house in Flagstaff is not going to be theirs for very long. And no, I think I- that's really what's <laughs> terrifying him. I think what he, I think what they need to do and the only way that they could save their franchise is, is to start, uh, you Looking know, for another wife. one in, one out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would and love I that because I'd love oh, to too. see, you know, Robin who, Robin who has always said, you know, she doesn't want to be cheated out of the dream that every little girl has of... <laughs> Sitting on a porch with your other sister wives. If she makes it, Michelle, wasn't that your? (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm really worried about her uh, thyroid. There, as someone who had thyroid cancer, I'm worried about her thyroid. But and she just doesn't look well. No, never mind. We can make fun of the stuff, the you know, the 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 bad banana curls and the dowdy clothes. We can make fun of that all day long. That's like the least interesting part of it. She just doesn't look well and hasn't looked well think, in a number of years. No, no, years. And it's 
to me, now look, I am certainly no doctor, but to me mm-hmm. it's giving like uh, hypothyroid, um, you know, lack of vitamins specifically. Mm-hmm. Like how is it that her skin is white, 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 and all of these other people look like leather bags? No offense. <laughs> I don't they think get she a lot of time. Yeah, I don't think she like, leaves the house. Think, she needs vitamin D. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I think it's, she lives like in a hoarder's good. house. I don't think it's good in that house at all. No, um, she's definitely got a lot of trinkets and angels. But um, mm, oh, there's there's a lot of figurines in that woman's house, and uh, uh, I think I'd it be has terrified. been such a pleasure talking to you, Amanda. Thank you so much. This is really you are I welcome. Cannot, the time has just flown by, and I hate to even end it here, but if I don't, I won't be able to get the other <laughs> recordings that we have to get done this weekend. That's just me being honest. It's all good. If you ever want to do this again, though, please let me know. I'd be happy to do this again about this or anything else. Oh, for sure. For sure. 